So on this week's episode of the Penultimate Podcast, we're going to dive into exactly what this podcast is. I've been away for a minute and we want to kind of fit the parameters in place to make sure we know how to progress forward, what to expect, things like that. We'll also get into uh, some areas of athlete mistakes. Are you making them? Are you part of this crowd? We'll find out here. Penultimate Podcast is powered by Project Pure Athlete. Visit projectpureathlete.com and check out the complete line of PPA training and technique products. All products are created by the Jump Guy and have been used and endorsed by coaches and athletes worldwide. Jump higher, train smarter. You are now listening to the Penultimate Podcast with the Jump Guy, Tyler Ray, powered by Project Pure Athlete. Jump higher, train smarter. Thanks so much for all of you joining me today. My name is Tyler Ray, aka The Jump Guy. I'm CEO and head coach here at Project Pure Athlete, and you are listening to the penultimate podcast. It's been a while, and uh, I think by popular demand, more so just based on Instagram poll. People are wanting this podcast back, so I'm a man of the people. We're going to make it happen. We're going to start first and foremost. Those of you that are brand new to the podcast, you're probably wondering, hey, who is this guy? Why does he have the right to be talking to us on a podcast about things to do with sports and athletics and jumping and and just life in general? Because I think what we're going to do is we're going to be touching on things in this podcast that a lot of people um, in this space aren't, things that are important to me. So this will not be another strength and conditioning podcast. This is not going to be like the podcasts that exist out there. We might touch on some of those topics. I think it's important to just you know, stay rooted and, and make sure that everybody is appeased because I know a lot of you are are looking forward to me diving into some of the science of jumping. And of course, we will touch on that, but let's not beat a, a, a dead horse with a stick. I think that's the saying. Is it beat a dead horse with a stick? Kels, it beat a dead horse with a stick? Something like that. Let's not, let's not do things that have been done and do them tirelessly over and over again. Let's get into some new stuff. Ideally, it's the what's the rest of the equation like when we when we talk athletics and we and we think about being an athlete or coaching athletes what are the things that aren't as sexy they're not as fun to talk about but make a huge difference and really serve as the glue um, to an athlete's success we'll get into some stories i'll share things about my past things i've been involved with maybe secondhand stories maybe we'll play a game of fun telephone and i'll pass on some stories from my past that could help you navigate and move through in your athletic career and we'll get guests on here i think that's important as well everybody wants to hear from more than just me so we will be reaching out and getting some guests on this podcast so if you have people that you would like to see on this podcast with me let me know whether it's in the comments, which I'm not sure you can do because we're listening to this through through podcast app, or DM me on Instagram at Project Pure Athlete or at the Jump Guy. That is separated the underscore jump underscore guy. That's why I don't like giving that one. It's too complicated. Go to Project Pure Athlete and you can DM me through that. <clears throat> so what is the penultimate podcast? Like what does penultimate really mean? I think that's the most important. Like, I mean, I could have called this podcast anything I wanted, but 
I live in the jump space, specifically in the, the vertical jump technique space, and penultimate in the context of jumping means the same thing that it does in the context of everything else. It means second to last or the last but one. So the penultimate stride in a jump is the second to last stride. If we look at a two-foot jump, that's going to be that big, long step, that one that looks over-exaggerated. And one foot, that's going to be the one prior to our block that sinks us down into our plant, causes that lowering of the hip and explosion out of the jump. But, I mean, you can use the ter term penultimate to refer to anything penultimate chapter in a book. I'm sitting by my wife right now who is obsessed with books currently. She's read like 400 books in the last three days and she has recently been on the penultimate chapter, the second to last chapter. There's the penultimate rep, the penultimate set. You get the, the gist. It's the second to last or the last but one. So we'll talk all things. It doesn't have to be just jumping. We'll touch base on pretty much anything I want to dive into. It's my podcast. I'll do it if I want to but I'd like your suggestions as well. So we'll make sure that we keep you involved. Athlete mistakes. It's funny, I recently came back from the dunk camp. This is the second annual dunk camp. And when I try to explain the dunk camp to people, sometimes it crosses eyes. Other times people are super stoked and they want to know how to get involved. But ideally what the dunk camp is, it's a four-day intensive camp um, held in Utah right now. Hopefully we get some additional locations in the future where aspiring uh, professional dunkers, amateur dunkers that are just, you know, fans of the sport come together over the course of four days. And I mean, we're getting people in from all over the world. There were people there from China. There were people there from South America, all over Europe. There were people there from, um, I think we had somebody from Slovakia. I mean, there are legitimately people coming out of the woodwork all over the world to make the trip to Utah to spend a week um, with us. And it's with myself um, serving as a coach, but some other great jump coaches and professionals were, were there. Uh, we had John Evans there, who is no longer the jump genius on Instagram. Now he is, I believe it's it's John, John Jumps or something like, anyway, John Evans. He's a smart dude. He's a really nice guy. Him and I have gotten to know each other better over the past couple of years. And, you know, we're in a, we're in a good state as an industry with um, up and coming young, smart minds like John's that are um, leading the way. We had um, Daniel, I think it's Bach. I want to say it's Bach. Beck, Bach, I believe so, from Jump Science. And uh, those that follow me will likely also follow some of the other professionals in the space. Daniel was a great guy. It was awesome to meet him. And uh, both of those guys gave a talk. We also had Ben Patrick from ATG. Uh, many know him as the knees over toe guy. And he was in town for the day as well to give a talk um, to the campers. And then we had Ricky Norton, who was the gracious host of the dunk camp and um, one of the most talented coaches I've had the pleasure of, of meeting working with. Um, he owns Norton Performance Training, which is where the dunk camp was held out of. Uh, it's a combination of a basketball court and weight room. And it's, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job putting together a gym that will um, more, <laughs> I was jealous pretty much right out of the gate walking in there. That was, that was the first feeling I had, but all the good jealousy. I was jelly in the right way. Um, but he's really put his, you know, legwork in over the years, built himself up. And that's the one thing that as a coach, I think 
people don't necessarily understand is that it takes time uh, to be able to build yourself up. You can't just jump on Instagram as a year one coach and be expected to uh, to blow up as some sort of um, expert in, in your fields. Put your time in. Be patient. So Ricky was the host, and it was awesome. We, I'll get into some stuff later, but we managed to put together the data for the first ever case study conducted in the field of two-foot jump mechanics um, out of his facility. He has um, semi-motion capture uh, software as well as force plates there and a biomechanist at, at his um, beck and call, which was amazing. Tyler's a phenomenal guy, super smart assistant uh, professor of biomechanics at a uh, nearby uh, university. So it was amazing to have him there to be able to set up the parameters. More to come on that. I'll drop that in another podcast. But what we're looking at is is athlete mistakes, and in part of the dunk camp, we have a, a trainer and a coach Q&A. And during that Q&A, we sit down. There was a few of us um, that did the Q&A this year, and one of the, I think the common themes that the coaches kept leaning back on were kind of reiterating some of the, the very common mistakes we see on a daily, weekly, monthly basis with athletes that you know, follow us through social media that I have in person that ask questions. And we get very similar questions and kind of the same questions over and over again, which does not surprise me. And and by no means do I hate it. It's um, obviously just pretty telling of the fact that there's information that still needs to be driven home and um, passed along. So that's why I'm here and I'm going to do my best to educate. And if I don't know, I'll find out for you. But number one, I think is the most I guess <laughs> the most consistent question I get um, and, and the most frequent answer I give is is really leaning on consistency as being king. And I think the biggest mistake made is that a lot of athletes are very inconsistent with their efforts but expect such grand results out of the equation. It's it's the kind of the same thing over and over again where it's like, you know, I've put in I put in work last week so hard and I trained every single day and I went double days on some days and, and I'm not getting any better and it's it's been a week and it's you know, why haven't I seen improvement? And when I dig deeper and I think when good coaches dig deeper, what they'll do is they'll pull they'll pull information out of athletes that they're not so forthcoming about because I think we all do a very good job of remembering the good things we've done throughout the day that support us and push us forward and, and are positive. But we also do a very good job of justifying the bad things as being not necessarily quite as bad as we expect. So it's, you know, I trained really hard last week, all week, but I don't understand why I'm not getting any results. Well, it's like I find out that obviously number one is you've only been going at it a week, but your efforts are inconsistent. You go hard for a week, you blow yourself up, you're completely destroyed, you take a week off, you come back and you do the same thing. <clears throat> so I think where, you know, people are missing the boat is, is that, you know, whether it's training for jumping or just training for your sport in general is that every single day is really just a very, very small piece to an extraordinarily large puzzle. And that's part of pretty much every workshop I do is try to drive home the importance of understanding that this is a this is a lifelong effort that builds day to day. Can you facilitate faster gains? Yes, but there's a trade-off there. Getting your gains faster could very well mean that the resiliency of your body isn't built up alongside quite as efficiently as it would as if you took a slower, more controlled and um, I guess not necessarily detailed, but just focused effort. And that's what I try to do with athletes is to reinforce the 
the importance of at times slowing down in order to speed up. And that's why you, you've probably heard that saying from me is, you know, sometimes we must slow down in order to speed up. It's just the way it is. We can't always expect that we're going to be able to run our races as fast as possible with our head down and, tru- and you know, trucking and trucking and trucking. We're going to find that pretty quickly we get off course, we run into hurdles more frequently versus being able to sight your your finish line understand that it's there you're, it's like you know when when swimmers swim long distances through open waters it's very quick it's very easy for them to get off course simply based on the fact that there's no landmarks so they learn how to landmark objects in the distance and then very frequently cite those landmarks to make sure that they're on the right path. And the same thing exists in training for your sport or playing your sport in general is that we need that kind of perspective anchoring and goal anchoring and just more so um, anchoring like you on a day-to-day basis toward what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So that's one of the biggest things I preach is let's let's stop putting so much stock in overvaluing the next best greatest training method. And let's just work on the most important factor out of the gate, which is let's get you doing something frequently and that be the case week to week to week. So we're not falling off. We're not necessarily looking to destroy you. We're just looking to get you consistent. And I think that's the biggest learning curve with a lot of athletes is just how do you stay consistent? I think that segues pretty nicely into the concept of, you know, overvaluing the training and undervaluing pretty much everything else is I think it's easy as an athlete. And like I'm coming at this as an athlete and a coach. This is not just from some schlub coach that wishes he played sports and and now I'm using this as my heyday. This is this not the case at all. For those that aren't aware, I competed at a very high level in track and field for many years and then got into the the role as a professional dunker for eight years. Uh, I I took my uh, competitive nature as an athlete very seriously. And I also at a large part of my career served as an athlete and a coach at the same time. So I believe that to a degree gives me a very unique skill set to be able to help out being able to look through the lens of a coach, but also being able to reflect through the secondary lens of an athlete to say, okay, I also need to be able to appeal to the athlete in people. And it can't necessarily just be about things being massively detailed and, and perfectly controlled because that's not the case when it comes to coaching and training is, is certain things are out of your control. <clears throat> so being, being in a world where we're, you know, we're saturated with social media videos on a daily basis of like, here's exercises, here's amazing, cool looking you know, uh, movements that people are doing, it becomes very easy, especially for young athletes to get sucked into this wormhole of, of looking for the next best thing. And it's when something doesn't, it's, it's the kind of piggybacks perfectly off of that consistency tip that we kind of started with. And, and it's, if something doesn't work right away, it's not, it's likely not the exercise selection. That's the problem. It's some other factor that's lending itself to slowing down your progress. So understanding that there's way more to the equation than just the training. There has to be. There has to be more to the equation than, than the training. I think it was like the old measurement as a, you know, kind of growing up as a personal trainer, was it, it was like an 80-20 split. It was like 80% of the game for fitness is in the food that you source and the, and the fuel that you put in your body. And then 20% of the equation is um, the training. 
But I mean, there are, now you know we, we know that there are a lot of other factors when it comes to athletic performance to consider beyond just the the eating and the training. I mean, there's uh, you know rest management and and in our sleep and um, stress management and all of these factors that really play to creating an environment in an athlete that is conducive to growth because so many things have the the capacity to slow us down and i think it's like the more we understand that there is so many um, avenues to this you know life as an athlete the quicker we realize that we have a lot more control than we thought so i i urge you as an athlete i urge you as a coach to do your best obviously to trans uh, to communicate this message to your athletes that the training is cool and yes, it's fun and it keeps us engaged, but you're, you're not going to be able to out-train the other components, right? We're not going to put in the double the training work and expect to be able to crush a pizza. I mean, that's just bottom line. Now, is there space in an athlete's life for things like pizza and burgers and stuff? Sure, I think there is. It's just a matter of managing um, intake volume amounts, things like that, that I think lead to bad habits over time. So there's balance in everything we do um, on the on the food side of things, on the training side of things, and then on the the mental management side of things as well. We need to balance all of them equally, value them all equally, and that's our job as a coach is to make the areas that don't necessarily seem as appealing appealing, so that you do them, so that you don't sit there and and ask us why you're not progressing at the rate you wish you progress at and then us saying the exact same things well it's are you doing this are you doing this are you taking the time on your own to make sure that you're growing as an athlete because it doesn't just happen in the gym it happens in every step you take every breath you take it sounds like a song i'm about to sing but it, you're, you're what i'm trying to say is it happens with every moment every day is that you have an ability to affect change the more engaged you are in the process the best athletes in the world are the ones that become the most obsessed with the process. I'll say it again. The best athletes in the world are the ones that become the most obsessed with the process. And it's not just the process of training. It's the process of managing yourself as an athlete, managing the competitive side of you, of you as an athlete, managing rest and recovery as an athlete, managing relationships as an athlete. There are so many things that differ. To live like an athlete is different than living like a normal, regular person. There's more that you have to take into consideration. And if you value yourself as an athlete, you will equally value things like training, nutrition, stress, mental, cognitive, whatever you want to call it, management as well. They all need to be balanced. You know, we have to stop searching for the key. And this will segue me into the next point as a mistake is the inevitable search for the key. We're all looking for that that special little key that will unlock this door that behind the door, I think everybody's door is a little bit different, but for the most part, behind the door that everybody has in their mind is like, this is the thing that was missing. This is the thing that fills in all the gaps that I've been searching for this is what takes me to the next level this is what you know takes me from a 30 to a 40 inch vertical this is what takes me from a 160 to a 225 pound bench like we're searching for the key and those keys often or or the search for the key is is usually that kind of skulking through social media trying to read as many articles as possible asking for every book possible and and the search the search the search and i think while i while i don't believe searching for information is a mistake what i believe is a mistake is the the tireless pursuit of information without letting the prior information sink in 
and try, right? I think the one area that I that you can't substitute is time and experience. I learned the mass majority of what I know from experience, trial and error, you know, day in and day out, month and month, year to year, is just trying things, but giving them enough time to work and have some sort of um, feedback for you to, to, to read, right? Like a lot of it is I tried certain training and uh, protocols and I would give it two, three, four months to find out how that body adapted to it. And then I would say, okay, my, I liked these parts and I'm going to scrap these parts. I'm going to add this in, I'm going to scrap this. And it was trying to find the areas that benefit you the most as an athlete, because we, we all have such unique physiological makeup, neurological makeups that thrive on different stimulus. So it's you know, expecting to be able to do the same thing that everybody does and getting the same results is unreasonable. You know, I, I have jump programs that I sell that are that are generic general templates for training, and then they're designed in the way they're designed for a reason, which is that they're very accessible. They have movements that are um, supportive to natural uh, patterns. They teach behaviors. And then they're left as, as kind of a low volume approach so that they can be supplemented additionally because I've, I think the biggest experience I've had in this space, especially in the space of like online programs and online training is that no matter what you put out, you know, half of the people are going to go, well, why doesn't it have this in it? Or why doesn't it have this in it? And if it was that your search, like they're looking for the answer they want to hear versus trying a different route and seeing if their body adapts and changes to it because well you know in their mind it's like well, why doesn't it have power cleans like my favorite athlete does power cleans so i need to do power cleans or else i'm not going to be as good as them when the bottom line is that's not how it works are power cleans a great stimulus yes for some people that can express them appropriately appropriately but if you don't express hip extension through a power clean properly then we need to find something that helps you express hip extension properly so understand that if a program doesn't have a specific movement that you believe should be in there, it's like, check those beliefs. Why do you think that? Can you go the next three months without doing something that you think you need to do? What is it going to do for you? My recommendation for people when they come to me and say, well, why doesn't it have this in it? Can I do this? Can I do this? I say, listen, just give it a try. What's the worst case scenario? You're the exact same as you were at the end of the three months as you are now. It's not a bad thing. You'll learn some things about it, about yourself that'll help you with progressing forward as an athlete. I think it, it, it's appropriate to, to expect that not everything will work. But it's good to also have goals put in place and understanding that those goals are different than expectations. So find the goals, do some work and see what happens. Bottom line. So the search for the key, there's no key. The key doesn't exist. There are, there are millions of keys and there are millions of doors. And so it's not a search for a key. Every single day, every single rep, every single set is a small ass piece of the puzzle to a giant fucking picture. Like that's, we have to keep reminding ourselves that it's, it's just a little bite. Everything we do is just a tiny little bite and we keep moving toward the goal. Boring is bad, exciting is good. That's the note I have on my, uh, on my uh, computer right now. Boring is bad, exciting is good. It kind of piggybacks everything we've been talking about is that if, if a movement looks cool, it must be good, right? Because it looks cool. They're, they're doing a million things in, in kind of conjunction. There's a flow put together that looks cool because they got weights or they got bands or they got chains or they got 
A, B, C, D. And that, that movement's, I'm not going to do that movement. That's slow. It's awful looking. It looks boring. So I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> My job as a coach is to um, teach the foundation for training, strength and conditioning, teach it, which is how do you, how do you move well? Um, how do you move consistently? How do you recognize when something is going wrong in your patterning so that you can make those adjustments, right? Like I, th I spend the majority of my time with my athletes teaching them how to understand their own body because I think my job is, yes, my job is to help athletes grow and become better as athletes, but I, I try to live in almost a, a bit of a different space, which is that I'm trying to help athletes develop behaviors that bleed over into every element of their life because if we look at it, I think the, the it's you have to understand that less than one percent, like less than one percent of the athletes that I see will go as far as they all want to go. So what am I doing? I'm trying to help reinforce and create better human beings through the vessel of training, you know, strength and conditioning, jumping, all of these different these different um, mediums. So it's taking in everything that you're doing, which includes learning the basics, which includes understanding that not everything has to be flashy to be effective. Is it fun to do flashy and cool things? Yes, absolutely. But a lot of those have to be earned, meaning that your body needs prerequisite to be able to do certain things. So if you haven't mastered the ability to squat properly, then there is no reason in hell that you should be doing, you know, banded trap bar jumps and all these different variations that require a bit of the same pattern that you don't perform properly. That's why there are, are always components of lifting that people go, well, you have, for instance, right, there, there's goblet squats in my um, Project Vertical Jump Training program. People go, well, you have goblet squats, um, they're, they're too light, can I use front squats? And I go, no, I put goblet squats in there for a reason. I put goblet squats in there because they are not only designed to train your low body. There's a certain amount of stability requirements, breathing patterns that are required to do goblet squats properly with heavy weights supporting a load out in front of the body. So it's like, no, if you, if you squat heavy, heavy in a front squat, let's get a heavy goblet squat going on. I know for a fact that top trainers and coaches in the world goblet squat their NFL players, goblet squat their MLB players, just because it doesn't look difficult doesn't mean it's not working. It's the same reason why just because you're not tired just doesn't mean it, or um, just because you're not tired doesn't mean it didn't work, right? If if the goal is to leave the gym every single day in a in a wheelbarrow, like your fucking neighbor can can program that for you, right? Your your person you walk by on the street can tell you to hit the ground and give a hundred burpees in a row and you'll be destroyed. Does it make you better as an athlete? Probably not. Might create a little bit more, you know, metabolic demand, it might be fun, but at the same time, it's like, what's the, what's the goal? Things have to work. They have to work synergistically together. There needs to be rhyme and reason for things. And it doesn't always have to be flashy. But there is a time and a place for the exciting stuff. But just keep in mind that it's, it's an earned right. You know, you might be sitting there going, but yeah, Tyler, I've been in the gym for like two years. I've been training for two years. I know I get it. I got, I can do all the things. Two years in the gym still makes you an absolute infant. There's a concept called training age, and training age is very different from actual age. I mean, you can come into the gym as a 35-year-old 
and be an infant in terms of training age. So you need to put the time in over years to get to a point where you're able to do some of the things that your favorite professional athletes are doing uh, because they've been working tirelessly for years and years and years and years. The The space that I live in right now is is vertical jump technique. This is an area that I'm pioneering as, as hard and fast and, and um, effectively as possible. And technique work, you know, for jumpers, it's no longer an argument. It's no longer a discussion of whether or not it should be included. I've proved this time and time again over the past, I mean, socially proved this over the past three years. I've been doing this stuff for over 10 years now. But technique is no longer a band-aid for training. This should be in parallel to training. This is something I talk about in all my workshops in every single session I coach. Um, those that were at the dunk camp with me will know I've said it over and over and over again. This parallels your training. This is to be done in conjunction with. You know, as you build more strength and resiliency and power and agility and speed and all these components that change the way in which your body moves, we want to progress our technique with those changes. Last thing we want to do is, you know, practice our technique, get more efficient technique, and then we go into training and hiding for six months where we just get incredibly strong and powerful. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, our stride length might be changed. Our output is, is different. Maybe our, our angles are different because our body is a little bit stronger. And all of a sudden now you realize that your technique is no longer as efficient as it was prior. And then you spend the next few weeks putting that band-aid back on it versus if you had paralleled the technique alongside those gains, you'd be in a state you know, with six months later, with all that training that you've done, that you just be ready and raring to go and jump. The, I think the question that I get the most, um, especially from other professionals is, you know, a lot of them are, are in disbelief. You know, when I post things about guys getting two, three, four inches of under vertical in 10 minutes, two days, three days, what have you, I think the natural gut reaction is, well, that's bullshit. It's baloney. There's no way that that's possible. You can't, you can't affect change that fast. And I think the important thing to understand is you're not, it's not a physiological adaptation issue. This isn't something along the lines of we've gotten you more powerful in three days. What we've done here is really changed your body's ability to express the potential that you already have through, you know, an advantageous position through, um, you know, approach management and speed management, you know, we're able to facilitate the approximation of these joints a little bit more efficiently because we're putting you in these positions frequently, we're getting you to pattern those positions. And then when it comes to executing the jump again, all of a sudden, the same amount of power you were able to exert, um, you know, day one, more of that is being converted through to your vertical jump now because you have more advantageous position created. So this technique is really the vessel. It's like why <clears throat> put all this, you know, put all the gas in the car if you're never going to drive it. It's like you need to be able to you, you have to work on the vessel of expression, which is which is the technical elements. Like can someone jump without technique? Yes, but will someone jump their highest without addressing their technique. No, never. I see this over and over again. And it's from a beginner level athlete all the way up to a professional level athlete is we address technique. And I don't care who you are. If you have holes in your technique, you will be able to jump higher and jump higher quickly. So this is why I urge people to, to dive deeper into the world of technique. This is why I'm doing things like, you know, uh, you know, 
performing case studies and trying to be the first in this field to do things like this, it's a little bit selfish. Yes, do I have a prerogative? Of course, I, I want to be remembered. I want my work to be sourced. I want my work to be respected, all that stuff. That's a, just being a professional. But more importantly, what I want are people to experience the things that I had the ability to experience, which is the ability to jump higher than you thought you could and you know, turn some heads and perhaps play for a team that you didn't expect to be able to play for. So use jump technique, use it frequently and commit to the process, keeping in mind that it doesn't have to be flashy to work. What do you think? I think that's, I think that's a pretty good start back to the podcast, touching on all these topics. I mean, I could talk all day on this stuff, but let's be real here. You don't want to sit around and listen to me to listen to me talk for two and three hours at a time. So Athlete mistakes, get after them, right? We, we talked about it inconsistently. Inconsistency, overvaluing the training, undervaluing everything else, searching for the key when there really is no key. It's a puzzle. Boring is bad, exciting is good, and technique is a Band-Aid versus training it alongside. Some really good starting points for you as an athlete to be able to pick away at. If your coach is listening to this um, and you have more questions for me, please don't hesitate to reach out. Again, like I mentioned before, you can DM me at Project Pure Athlete on Instagram. You can email me at projectpureathlete at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. We're going to get into, I'm not sure what the next episode is going to be, but I'm excited to be back on the mic. I think this is going to be a great little journey. I don't know how frequently I'm going to do these yet. I want to say once a week. I think that's appropriate. We'll go once a week for now. If I'm finding that I'm keeping up with once a week, who knows? We'll step our game up. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Again, my name is Tyler Ray, a.k.a. The Jump Guy, CEO and head coach here at Project Pure Athlete and host of the Penultimate Podcast. Well, guys, we'll catch you in the next one. The Penultimate Podcast is powered by Project Pure Athlete. Visit projectpureathlete.com and check out the complete line of PPA training and technique products. All products are created by the Jump Guy and have been used and endorsed by coaches and athletes worldwide. Jump higher, train smarter. Bitch, sit down.